All right, go ahead and turn with me in your copy of God's Word to Proverbs chapter 4 this morning as we continue our journey through the book of Proverbs. If God came to you one night and asked and told you, you can ask for anything you want in the world, what would you ask for? Would you ask to win the lottery? Would you ask to have enough money to do anything you ever wanted to do in life? Is that what you would ask for? Or perhaps you would ask for health, a a new body, long life. Maybe you would ask for a relationship. That's what you want in life, a relationship. Maybe a, a new relationship. Perhaps some of you would ask for a new husband, a new wife. Some of you may ask for athletic skill, power, fame. God came to you in the night and said, you can ask for anything you want, what would you ask? Well, that happened in the Bible. There was a man that God came to in the night and said, you can ask for anything you want, and I will give it to you. I will grant your wish. But the thing is, the man didn't ask for power, fame, wealth, or long life. He asked for wisdom. And here's what God said. He said, because you've asked for wisdom, I'm going to give you what you've asked for. But I'm not only going to give you wisdom, I'm going to give you everything else as well. I'm going to give you power, I'm going to give you fame, I'm going to give you long life, I'm going to give you wealth. As a matter of fact, your name will be known throughout history because of your wisdom. I want you to write this down. This is important. You see, wisdom is the key that unlocks everything you've ever wanted in life. Write that down. Wisdom is the key that unlocks everything you've ever wanted in life. If there is one word that could be used to describe the theme of Proverbs from the first chapter to the last, it would be that word, wisdom. When you open up the book of Proverbs and you begin to read it, you discover that word wise or wisdom 125 times. And the theme wisdom is found over 150 times. Apart from understanding who God is and getting to know God, the most important thing you will ever do in life is to gain wisdom. Now look at chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. This is one of the verses that I want you to post today. Listen to what it says. Getting wisdom is the most important thing you can do. Love wisdom and she will make you great. Getting wisdom is the most important thing you can do. If you love wisdom... Wisdom will make you great. When Solomon began writing this book in chapter 1, he said this. He said, let the wise listen to these proverbs and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance by exploring the meaning in these proverbs and parables, the words of the wise and their riddles. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. But then he says this, but fools despise Wisdom and knowledge. Throughout Proverbs, we see Solomon contrasting the wise and the foolish. 
Those who make wise choices and those who are prone to folly, those who are prone to foolish decisions. And so in Scripture, we have the wise and we have the fool. We have those who are exercising wisdom and those who are being foolish. Paul, who is, who is the most well-known Christian in human history, said this in Ephesians 5. I want you to post this verse as well today. In Ephesians 5 verse 15, Paul said this, Don't be fools, be wise. Now here's the thing. Wisdom is not just something that God gives to a few. It's something that anyone who wants it can have. In James chapter 1, it says this, If you lack wisdom, you should ask God, and He will give it to you generously without finding fault to all who ask Him. In other words, God says, If you want the wisdom that only I can give, then all you have to do is ask, and I will give you that wisdom. So this morning, what I want us to do is answer several important questions about wisdom. Here's the first question. What is wisdom? And I want to begin by telling you what wisdom is not. Well, first of all, wisdom is not knowledge. You cannot equate wisdom with knowledge. Someone has estimated that if all of man's accumulated knowledge from the beginning of human history to 1845 were represented by one inch then the knowledge that was gained from 1845 to 1945 would amount to three inches. And then what man learned from 1945 to 1975, get this, would be as high as the Washington Monument. And most likely, that knowledge has either doubled or tripled since then. This is the problem, though. Even though we have had this incredible leap in scientific, technological, and other knowledge, it hasn't been reproduced in spiritual or moral wisdom. If anything, man's understanding of, of what he is doing and why he is doing it has seemed to decrease as his practical knowledge increases. You see, it seems that the more that we have learned the less superficial or the more superficial our knowledge has become and the less knowledge we have of who God is and what God wants. We may be living in an information age, but we certainly aren't living in an age of wisdom. Many people are wizards when it comes to computers and, and business and stock markets, but yet we're amateurs when it comes to making a life. We can have tons of degrees hanging on our walls, and we can still lack wisdom. You see, wisdom isn't knowledge. But next, wisdom isn't common sense. Some people equate wisdom with common sense. I, I heard about two guys, John and Dave, who were hiking in the mountains when they spotted a mountain lion staring at them. John froze in his tracks. But Dave calmly sat down, took off his hiking boots, and began to put on a pair of tennis shoes. And John said, for crying out loud, Dave, you can't outrun a mountain lion. Dave said, I don't have to, John. All I have to do is outrun you. 
Now, that may be common sense, but that's not wisdom. You see, common sense is a good thing. Common sense will take you a long way in life. And and let me tell you, I am convinced that common sense is more important than book knowledge. Because there are tons of people who have lots of book knowledge, who have no common sense, and they're not doing anything in life. But even though common sense is important, common sense is not wisdom. So what is wisdom? Let me give you my definition. Wisdom is seeing and then living life from God's perspective. Wisdom is seeing life and then living life from God's perspective. If you want to be prepared for the problems that are going to come in your life, if you want to be ready for the challenges that you're going to face in life, if you want to be ready to snatch the opportunities up that come into your life, then you have to begin to look at them not from the perspective of man, but from the perspective of God. And understand, the wisdom that God gives is completely different than the wisdom of the world. James says that when we get God's perspective and begin to live from God's perspective, our entire life will be completely changed. In James chapter 3, verses, verse 17, James said this. He said, but the wisdom that comes from heaven, the wisdom that comes from God, is first of all pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, and good fruit. It's impartial and sincere. In other words... James says that wise people will live pure lives. They will seek peace. They're not going to be argumentative. They're going to be mindful of other people's feelings. They're they're going to be willing to go the extra mile. They're going to be teachable. They're going to be yielding. They're going to be forgiving. And they're going to be straightforward. But here's the problem. Most of us don't see, much less live life from God's perspective. Solomon said this. He said, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. In other words, just because the world says it's true, just because the world says it's right, doesn't make it right. In Acts chapter 7, verse 22, we we read a little bit about Moses' upbringing. And it says this about Moses. It says, Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians... And he was powerful in speech and action. So here was Moses. He was given this incredible education. He had the education of the world. And he was able to speak. He was able to act in a way that showed the world's wisdom. But even though all of that education that Moses received was valuable, it didn't make him wise. You say, how do I know that? Well, do you remember that that Moses killed an Egyptian and tried to hide it? He tried to cover it up, and, and he couldn't do that. You see, even though he was wise according to the world, he was not wise in God's way. The wisdom of the world and the wisdom of God are entirely different. That's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1, verses 19 and following, listen to what he says. He says, for it is written... I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the wise of this world. The intelligence of the intelligent, I will frustrate. 
Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. You know, it's amazing to me. I've met people over the years who have hardly had any formal education. And yet their wisdom absolutely amazed me. You see, you don't have to have an education to have wisdom. And just because you have education doesn't mean you're going to have wisdom. So what is wisdom? Wisdom is seeing and then living life from God's perspective. But second, what will wisdom do for me? Now, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this. But I think that you need to understand the value of godly wisdom. In Proverbs chapter 3, verses 13 through 18, this is what Solomon said. He said, happy is anyone who becomes wise. Wisdom is more valuable than jewels. Nothing you can want can compare with it. Wisdom offers you long life as well as wealth and honor. Wisdom can make your life pleasant and lead you safely through it. Those who become wise are happy. Wisdom will give them life. Sounds pretty incredible, doesn't it? All of those things come from wisdom. Listen to what it says in Proverbs 2, verse 12. Wisdom will save you from the ways of wicked men, from men whose words are perverse. Proverbs 19, verse 11. A man's wisdom gives him patience. It is to his glory to overlook an offense. Ecclesiastes 7, verse 19. Wisdom makes one wise man more powerful than ten rulers... In a city. And those are just a few of the verses that I could give you. As you read through Proverbs and the rest of Scripture, you see benefit after benefit after benefit of seeing life from God's perspective and then living life from God's perspective. Solomon said that when you have wisdom, you will have happiness. Now, how is that? Because you will discover that happiness is not based on happenstance. It is based on an internal change that happens within you that changes the way you look at life. And when you begin to look at life differently, you can discover happiness regardless of what is happening in your life. Solomon says that wisdom will produce long life. How is that? Well, you'll have less stress. Reduce tension, healthier habits. Insurance studies have suggested that people who join a church and attend church weekly live an average of 6.7 years longer than those who don't. Listen, I would go to church just for the health of it, if for no other reason. The world has said those who go to church Live longer than those who don't. Wealth. When you follow God's principles on money, you're going to have the money that you need in life. He says you're going to have honor, the respect of the world. You're going to have peace, 
peace with others. You're going to have purity. You're going to have patience. And the benefits keep coming and coming and coming. Listen. If you want all of those things, they come when you begin to see life from God's perspective. And then you make the commitment to live life from God's perspective. Next, how do I get wisdom? I heard a story about a little boy who came up to his father and he said, Dad, who made God? The father who was reading his evening paper said, Beats me, son. The little boy just kept on coming with questions. said, Dad, why is the earth round? Dad said, I don't know. The little boy played for a few minutes, came back to his dad and said, Dad, is, is there life on other planets? And his dad said, nobody knows the answer to that. The little boy was playing a little bit longer and finally came up to his dad and said, Dad, do you mind me asking you all these questions? The dad put down his paper and said, of course not, son. How else are you going to learn? Now, how do we gain wisdom? Listen to what Job asked in chapter 28, verse 12 of Job. He said, but where can wisdom be found? Where does understanding dwell? Job said, I want to know, how do we get this wisdom? How do I begin to see life from God's perspective? How do I get to the point that I begin to live life from God's perspective? I believe Solomon gives us three easy answers. The first one is this. I must have a right relationship with God. Now, to be honest with you, we're not going to dwell on this because we dealt with this last week when we talked about the fear of God. But let me just give you a couple of verses. In Proverbs 9, verse 10, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. If I want wisdom, if I want understanding, then the place to begin is that healthy fear of the Lord. In Proverbs 1 verse 7, it says, how does a person become wise? And then the answer is to trust and reverence the Lord. Job, David, and Solomon all said that the Fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. If we're going to have wisdom, if we're going to see life from God's perspective and then live life from God's perspective, we must first of all believe that there is a God. We must believe that he is the creator and the ruler of all things. We must trust our life to him and surrender control to him. We must fear God, a healthy fear. Let me ask you a question. Do you have that right relationship with God? Have you come to understand that God is God and you're not? Do, do you recognize that, that the world doesn't revolve around you? Do you realize you're not the center of everything? God is. Do you know that, that God didn't create you? So that he could be at your beck and call. He created you. So that you could have the privilege. Of knowing him. And loving him. And you say well what's the big deal there. Well if you know him. And you love him. You will discover what an incredible privilege. It is. 
And so do you have a right relationship with God? That's the first step in wisdom. The second thing that Solomon says is this. If I want wisdom, I must read and apply God's word. In Jeremiah 8 verse 9 it says this. They have rejected the word of the Lord. Are they wise after all? So here's Jeremiah. He's he's asking this question. These, These people have rejected God's word. They think they're wise. But are they really wise? Since they've rejected the word of God. In Proverbs 1, verses 1 and 2, when when Solomon is telling us why he's writing this book, he says this, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of King David, king of Israel, far attaining wisdom. Now, the Proverbs are now part of God's Word. And so Solomon is saying, if you want wisdom, you've got to read this book. But not only do you have to read this book, you have to apply this book. Understand, the Bible can save you a ton on your counseling bill. If you would just start reading the Bible, you can save money. Because there are only two sources of wisdom in this world. There is the world and there is the word. There is God and then there is the world. And the Bible says that the wisdom of God makes one wise, but the wisdom of the world makes us foolish. So let me ask you a question. Do you believe everything that you, you, you read in the paper? Do you? Do you believe it's always true, 100% accurate? Do you believe everything that you, you see on the news, that you see on TV? Do you believe the tabloids? Do you believe everything that you read on the internet? Do you think everything on Wikipedia is true? What about God's Word? Do you believe God's Word is true? Here's the crazy thing. The overwhelming majority of Americans say they believe that this book is true. And yet, when it comes to living our life, we follow the follies of this world rather than the truths of God's Word. We say that we believe it, but then we don't even read it, much less apply it to our lives. If we believe the Word of God, then we need to let the Word of God guide us. It doesn't make sense to me. That we spend more time reading our paper, scanning Facebook, watching TV, which are all going to lead you astray than reading God's Word that will give us true wisdom. We will begin to see and learn how to live life from God's perspective. So we have a right relationship with God. We fear Him. We understand who He is. We give our life to Him. We read and apply his word knowing it's true. But then the third thing Solomon says is we receive godly counsel and correction. If I want to be wise, I must be willing to receive godly counsel and correction. Proverbs 13 verse 10 says this. Wisdom is found in those who take advice. It's a good word, isn't it? Wisdom is found in those who take advice. Proverbs 29 verse 15. 
The rod of correction imparts wisdom, but a child left to himself disgraces his mother. Again, what brings wisdom? Correction, advice, counsel. Larry Burkett, who is now in heaven, once said this, A wise man seeks much counsel. A fool listens to all of it. Think about that for a second. A wise man listens to much counsel. A fool listens to all of it. You see, a wise man is able to listen to counsel and then able to discern what to use and what not to use. So let's get practical for just a moment as we close this out. How do we put wisdom into practice in our everyday life? How do we begin to see and live life from God's perspective? In other words, how do we make wise choices? Well, Andy Stanley has written a book entitled The Best Question Ever. And and it is one of the top five books that, that I would recommend that everyone have for their library. It is a very practical book on how to live your life making wise choices. And in that book, he says that the best question ever is not what is the right thing to do. That's not the best question. The best question ever is what is the wise thing to do. Because you need to understand just because something is right, it's not wrong, doesn't mean it's wise. And we need to always ask ourselves not what is right, what can I do and not be wrong. I need to ask myself what is the best thing, what is the wise thing to do. And then Andy Stanley says to determine what is the wise thing to do, we need to ask three questions. And if we ask these three questions before any decision we make, we will make wise choices. The first question is this. He says, in light of my past experiences, what is the wise thing to do? In light of my past experiences, what's happened to me before, what is the wise thing to do? Isaiah 42 verse 23 says, will not even one of you apply these lessons from the past and see the ruin that awaits you. In other words, is there none of you that are willing to learn from your past? All too often we keep doing the same things over and over and over again. And we wonder why we're getting the same results that we're unhappy with. George Santayana said this. Those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. I've discovered when it comes to the past, most of us make one of three choices. We are either handcuffed by our past, we ignore our past, or we learn from our past. The truth is, each and every one of us are products of our past, both the good and the bad in our past. Unfortunately, many of us don't realize or perhaps we just don't admit that because of our past failures, we have present weaknesses. Areas where we're more prone to fall, we're more prone to mess up, we're more prone to give in to temptation. Every decision you make in life should be made in light of your past. In light of my past experiences, what is the best thing to do, the wise thing to do? There are some things that are not wrong for me to do, but they aren't wise for me to do. 
because of my past experiences. So in light of my past experiences, what is the wise thing to do? Here's the second question. In light of my current situation, my current circumstances, what is the wise thing to do? You see, whenever we're making a decision, we not only look at our past experiences, we look at our present situation. What is my current emotional state of mind? Where am I at in my walk with the Lord? What about my relationships? Are they where they need to be? Am I at odds with someone? How many times have we made decisions because we didn't take our current circumstances into account? How many times have we made decisions and we we haven't considered our current financial situation, our current season of life? The truth is, there are things that are inappropriate today that can be appropriate tomorrow. There are financial decisions that I can make today based upon where I am at at 55 that would have been absolutely foolish for me to make at 25. I mean, that's just a fact. There are things that that I can do today that I shouldn't have done back then, and there are things that I shouldn't do today Because of my present situation. And so in light of my past experience, what is the wise thing to do? In light of my current circumstances, what is the wise thing to do? And then finally, in light of my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? You you see, most of us have this mental picture of what we want our future to look like. If I were to ask you, where do you want to be financially? You would have a picture in mind. If I were to ask you, what kind of relationship do you want to be in in the future, you would have a picture in mind. If I were to ask you, what do you want to be doing in the future, you would have a picture in mind. Unfortunately, most people's dreams never turn into reality, not because they don't have the ability. It's because the decisions they make today impact their tomorrow. In other words, statistics reveal that any 18, 20-year-old that wants to be able to retire, if Jesus doesn't come back, they want to be able to retire with a million dollars in the bank, there is a simple solution that you can follow to do that. Very simple. You've just got to put about $1,200 a year every year in the bank, and I'm not sure the exact figure, $1,200 a year in the bank, you've got to make the, you know, you've got to get your interest in everything, but you put that in the bank, you accrue the interest, and in a certain amount of time before you retire, you're going to have well over a million dollars. Now, why is it that most people retire with less than $6,500 in the bank? Did you know that's 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 a statistic? Most people get to retirement and they have less than $6,500 in the bank. Now, why is that when, when in reality there's a simple, logical way that a person can put money in the bank every year and in 40 years they can retire and have a pretty good bit of money in the bank? Why is it? Because they don't live their life with their future hopes and dreams in mind. You see, if if I've got hopes and dreams of one day 
being able to travel around the world doing mission projects, then that's going to cost money. (laughs) And so therefore, I'm going to have to have money in the bank so that when I get 65 or 67 or 71 or 82, however old I'm going to be, when the money is in the bank, I've I've got to not do certain things today so that I can have that money tomorrow when I wanted to do those things. You see, in light of my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? If, if when I'm, I'm 65 years old, I want to have been married to my wife for, for 40 years, and I want to be moving on to that, that, that golden anniversary time, then what is the wise thing to do? Well, the wise thing to do is not to cheat on my wife. Would you agree with that? I mean, if if that's my goal in the future, then the wise thing to do is honor her, respect her, respect my my marriage vows, correct? I, I mean, in light of my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? You see, if I ask those three questions, I'm going to make wise choices in light of my past experiences. And we're not going to get into this today. We're going to, we're going to talk about it later on in this series. But, but the fact of the matter is, I want you to look at me. I want you to hear me. The fact of the matter is, drinking alcohol is a debatable issue among Christians today. Christians debate that issue. People that love Jesus. Is it wrong to drink alcohol? Well, here's the deal. It's wrong to get drunk. We know that. The Bible's very clear on that. But there are people that love Jesus that disagree on the other thing. Here's what I know. Look at me. Here's what I know. For some of you, regardless of how you answer that question, drinking alcohol is not a wise thing to do, period. Because you've got a personality that is prone to addiction. And if you've got a personality that is prone to addiction, then the most foolish thing for you to do is to drink alcohol because you're prone to that addiction. You see, in light of my past experiences, what is the wise thing to do? If you're a man here and you struggled with pornography, in light of my past experiences, what is the wise thing to do? I'll tell you right now, the wise thing to do is not to have an internet connection that is not monitored. You have safeguards on your computer. Because if you don't, you are going to be prone to stumble and fall to that temptation. In light of my past experiences, what is the wise thing to do? In light of my present circumstances, what is the wise thing to do? Well, if, if I've got a job and I'm, I'm making $30,000 a year and I've got this responsibility and this responsibility and this responsibility, it's probably not a wise thing to do to go out and buy a $40,000 brand new car. You say, but, but they've made it easy. I, I, I've, got, I've got 180 easy payments. This car is going to be paid off in 15 years. And I can afford the payment. You're not going to have a car. And so what is the wise thing to do in in light of your present situation? The wise thing to do is to find a good used 
car. Change the oil regularly. Take care of it. And drive it until it crashes on the... Not crashes, but (laughs) it falls apart on the side of the road. And then you've saved up enough money to go buy a new one. In light of my past experiences, in light of my present situation, in light of my future opens and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? Now let's review. What is wisdom? Wisdom is seeing and then living life from God's perspective. What are the benefits of wisdom? A long life, health, wealth, peace, purity, and on and on and on we can go. How do I get wisdom? It begins with a right relationship with God. And then I read and apply God's word. And then I receive godly counsel and correction. How do I make wise choices? In light of my past experiences, what's the wise thing for me to do? In light of my future, my present circumstances, what is the wise thing to do? In light of my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? Andy Stanley said this. He said, making choices with the end in mind goes a long way toward ensuring a happy ending. I like that. There are some of you here today who are never going to make wise choices until you establish a relationship with God. That's what you need to do. That's the wise thing for you to do today. Because one day we must all appear before God. I'm not your judge. He is. But trust me, one day you're going to stand before him and you're going to give an account of your life. And if you've lived your life your way, apart from living under his authority, (laughs) it's not a wise thing to do. For some of you here today, the wise thing to do is to begin to pick up the Bible and read it and apply it to your life. For some of you, what you need to do is you need to begin to listen to godly counsel godly correction for others of you you need to make those wise choices and i'm here to tell you wisdom isn't just for a select few the bible makes it clear that if anyone asks god will give them wisdom god wants you to have the wisdom that comes from him and my prayer is that you'll gain it i want you to bow your head close your eyes if you head bow with your eyes closed If you're here and and you've never established that right relationship with God, you can do that today. You, You can pray this prayer right now. Dear God, forgive me. I've lived a foolish life. I've lived as if I were God. I've gone my way rather than your way. I'm so sorry. I know you're God. I know that you're the creator and ruler of all. I believe you love me. You sent Jesus to die in my place. I'm receiving him as my answer for salvation. Save me, Jesus. Take control of my life. Amen. Head still bowed, eyes still closed. Some of you are here today and you haven't systematically read the Bible ever. You've picked it up, put it down, you've picked it up, you've put it down, you've never systematically gotten into the Word of God so that you can gain wisdom. And that's the commitment you need to make today. That's where you're at and you need to make a commitment to get into God's Word regularly, consistently, 
I want to encourage you to pray this prayer to him right now. Dear God, forgive me. Forgive me for believing your word and not reading it, not applying it. Today, I make a commitment to consistently read your word and seek to live by it. Give me the discipline I need. Amen. Head still bowed, eyes still closed. For some of us here today, our problem is arrogance, pride. We think we know it all, so we have a hard time accepting counsel from others. And we need to pray that we'll have the, the humility to listen to others. If that's where you are today, then pray this prayer. Lord, forgive me. I've been proud. I've been arrogant. And because of it, I've lacked wisdom. I've made foolish decisions. I don't want to anymore. I want to be willing to listen to others. To receive counsel and advice. And even correction. Give me a spirit of humility. A spirit to learn, I pray. Amen.